So welcome everybody to today's episode of the Independent Teacher Podcast. I'm really pleased to be joined by Drew Vernon. Drew, welcome to today's show. Uh, thanks. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Could you tell our listeners where you're based at the moment? I'm in Salt Lake City, Utah. Okay, so quite a few thousand miles away from, from where we are based in, in the UK. Um, if we start there, could you tell our listeners just a little about uh, your background and of course, your career to date? Uh, yeah, I work for a company called Tony's. Uh, I lead the brand marketing here. Uh, I've been here for about three years. Uh, prior to that, I was at Lego uh, US. I managed the preschool business. And uh, before that, I was in beauty marketing. So I've always had a passion for marketing and for business uh, and also psychology, uh, consumer behavior, why people uh, buy the things that they buy, uh, how to, um, you know, fill a need. And uh, that's what brings me here in the current work that I'm doing. Now, Tony's and the Tony box. Can you tell us a little about that? Um, and obviously what makes them so brilliant, but so new, unique as well. But just in case our listeners and they are listeners won't be able to see what a Tony box is. I don't know if you're able to describe them. Sure. Uh, I'd be happy to. So the Tony box is, is a five inch speaker cube that plays songs and stories for kids. Uh, and it works through a system of figures called Tony's. So it's little custom molded figurines. Uh, we have different uh, characters. We have Disney characters, Dr. Seuss, uh, Pete the Cat, all the kids' favorite characters. You put it on the box and it's magnetic, so it'll stay on the box. And you can navigate through the content uh, to, to advance the chapter, advance the track by tactile play. So you give the box a whack, it advances it to the kids uh, to the next story. Uh, it was started by a couple of dads in Germany, and uh, they launched this in 2016, and it started spreading. Uh, in five or six years, they got into one out of every two uh, German preschoolers' home, uh, which is fantastic growth. Uh, growth, And the reason it is uh, because it, it's such a great device for kids, and it teaches them how to read. So I, brought, uh, I was brought on uh, three years ago as part of the U.S. launch. Uh, so we launched it um, then, and now we're continuing to grow, getting into uh, children's nurseries as well as classrooms and libraries across the country. So Tony Box is a great companion for a child's day. It, anything from helping them get up in the morning, uh, you can put on some uh, healthy habits content to get them to brush their teeth and put on their clothes and tie their shoes. And then the, uh, usually they'll go to a school or a daycare. It goes great in classrooms. Uh, it can help educate them, teach them how to read. Uh, we have mindfulness content to help them uh, calm down and relax. Um, and then it's good for nighttime too. Uh, we just actually published a study that said that 92% of parents who struggle with bedtime uh, felt that the Tony's uh, listening experience helped with that bedtime routine and that bedtime process. So it's helping a child throughout their entire day, uh, whether it's, you know, the morning, afternoon or night. Will you find it just anywhere in the world? Uh, well, we launched in Germany. Uh, I think that's important because the uh, the founders, one was an engineer and one was a designer. Uh, Germany has a strong culture of fairy tales and telling stories. And, and that is uh, completely appropriate for our product. And now it's spreading to the rest of the world. Um, we expanded to the UK in 2018. I was part of the launch team in the US in 2020. We've also gone into France and uh, we're going into Canada this year. And the intent and the hope uh, and goal is to uh, bring this worldwide. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting you should say there about bedroom uh, routines, sleep routines, because I know um, 
my friend, she was saying that what she does with her son is that they tend to go to bed and read with him. And then when he's saying, saying more, more stories, mom, then what they'll do is they'll use the Tony box and they leave him and he listens to the to the Tony box. So that sounds very similar to what you were you were just saying there. Yeah. The Tony box is screen free. Uh, it's important to limit screen time for kids. Uh, kids are uh, watching screens at younger ages and for longer periods of time than ever before. Uh, I'm not as close to the UK data, but in the US, uh, they're finding that screen time uh, for kids is 20% higher than pre-COVID levels. That means they're watching 20% more TV, 20% more tablets, 20% more smartphones. Uh, the Tony box is great because it removes that screen. It uh, requires the imagination uh, of the story being told to, to be on the listener. It's a creative muscle that they have to flex. And they do that by removing the stimulus. And it also helps with the bedtime because the reduction of the blue light helps their brain relax. It helps them unwind. That's why it's helping settle them in and, and helping uh, remove that that uh, fight that some households have in getting their kids to go to sleep. And I wanted to talk to you as well, not just about parents um, using the, the Tony box, but also the work that you do with nurseries and schools, because before we came on air, we were just talking about trying to make sure it wasn't something that was just aimed at children from quite a privileged background, perhaps, that it was important that the Tony Box was accessible to uh, children from lower socioeconomic backgrounds. Could you say something about that? Yeah, I think it's really important to get these into the hands of kids, and I don't want uh, socioeconomic status to determine somebody's access. So we do donations. We also have an education program. We give a discount, um, 20% off of all of our products for uh, educators, for teachers, for librarians, uh, for museums. Uh, that is just kind of getting started and growing very quickly. Uh, and I'm also learning more about grants and available money and, you know, friends of PTAs and friends of libraries. And we're getting really creative to see where the money comes from, because if there's money in a community and there's a desire to put literacy into the hands of kids, then we can really make a difference uh, in a child's life, regardless of what kind of background they are coming from personally. Does it have the same impact, um, whatever um, gender you are or identify with? Uh, that's actually a question I haven't spent a whole lot of time thinking about, but I, I think that the universality of the Tony box and listening to stories is just the the power of imagination and teaching kids to, uh, if, if you can dream it, you can do it. We tell that to kids and then we lose that belief along the way because we all grow up and we go to school and we get jobs and we work for our paychecks and we work too long and we try to take a vacation once a year just to stay sane. But like, these kids are coming from a different place. We're, we're telling them that the power of imagination is the toolbox that they need as kids. And for me, that's not a gender specific thing. If you can teach that to a boy, especially teach it to a girl, girls have been under uh, appreciated and under empowered for so long that to, to breathe that spark into a girl's uh, brain and to give her stories and the belief that she can become the hero of her own story that's a compelling message. And that's what I'm trying to bring to, to boys and girls alike. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, I suppose the next question that that I, I, I want to ask you about is the kinds of discussions that you're having with parents about 
maybe developing the box, the Tony box. Have you got any plans that you can tell us about or are they all top secret? <laughs> I, I mean, I can speak to it generally. Uh, so the Tony box is a great little device. It's super intuitive. The, you, the, the child can operate it all on their own. There's little ears where you can uh, uh, toggle the volume up or volume down. It's not a perfect device. There are improvements that uh, we can make that we uh, we get a lot of uh, really positive feedback. And so we are taking that into account. We're working on what the continued experience looks like uh, with some of these upgrades um, while maintaining the, the the pure essence of it, which is the power of imagination and tactile play. And is there an age range, a cutoff point for the, the Tony Pots? Uh, there is, but it's a, it's a pretty big range because this is an audio system at the end of the day. So you can actually start with uh, giving your Tony box to an infant as a white noise machine. You know, most new moms will purchase a, a white noise machine. We have white noise Tonys. So before they're getting their hands on it and, you know, doing the age appropriate activities, this can be a white noise machine. This can help with lullabies. This can help with uh, bedtime stories. Then as the child gets into the preschool ages, we start teaching them their numbers, their letters, their sounds, their animals. And then you take them into the world of fantasy and imagination with all their favorite characters. Pretty soon they're going to age out of that. They're going to want to uh, have more complex stories. They're going to want to have you know nonfiction content, which we do with partnerships with National Geographic, PBS Kids, uh, Roll doll. So really it's a device that can go from infancy to, you know, age eight or nine or 10, uh, which is a great value and a great uh, utility for parents. Now I've got a question from a little boy who um, is probably in bed at the moment in, in the UK because uh, we're about half past seven, but his in the evening, his question was, um, and he's five years old and he wanted to, to ask you, how do you make the Tony box? There's two answers to that. You know, there's the, the 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 nuts and bolts that go into a Tony box. We put a speaker, uh, we put a layer of foam around the speaker, and then we put a protective fabric around the foam. And we have a little platform, we have little volume buttons, we make the characters magnetic so they'll stick on. That's how you make a Tony box. Uh, what doesn't go into the nuts and bolts is just the magic that it unlocks. And it's really how do we capture the, the power of stories and share them with kids? And I think that's kind of the more fun answer um, when I get asked that question. So how important, could you just take us through step by step, how important storytelling actually is for early years children? Yeah, I think storytelling is uh, it's what uh, engages the attention of young ones. They want to hear a story. If we boil down the framework of most stories, it's a hero who overcomes a challenge to get to a goal or a reward. And I think that's an extremely important thing to teach kids because we're going to ask them to become the heroes of their own story. We're going to be asking them to help solve the world's problems. And they can only do that if they've had stories told to them, if they know what the process is of overcoming challenges, that's the creative muscle that they have to build. And so I'm, I'm dedicating basically my whole work at Tony's to bringing these stories to kids because I actually think that it's going to help train them and it's going to help set them up for a, a happy and successful life. And you mentioned just a little bit earlier about screen time. Yeah. Have you spoken to children about, you know, their views about the Tony box and their views about 
screen time. Yeah, kids aren't really thinking about it. You know, kids, I think kids are very impressionable. If you give them a Tony box, they'll listen to a Tony box. If you give them a screen, um, they'll watch the screen. The more you give them a screen, the more dependent they'll become, the harder it's going to be to remove that screen. You know, you have behavioral issues, you know, tantrums. If if you're getting in that trance of, of using the screen as a crutch, that's where it's going to become problematic. Uh, in the States, we have the World Health Organization. We have the American Academy of Pediatricians. They both recommend that you limit screen time uh, to one hour a day for kids two to five. Uh, you'd be hard pressed to find a kid two to five that is limited to an hour a day because they're 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 being given iPads at school. That's part of their education. They're coming home. They're watching uh, cartoons. They're watching educational content. But it's all adding up, and it's all screen time. And so that's what worries me uh, as a parent and as you know somebody who's interested in fighting this um, because I think we're seeing a lot of challenges coming out of it, including increased social anxiety. Uh, inability to focus, increased rates of attention deficit disorder, increased number of kids being diagnosed on the spectrum. I think a lot of it is uh, involved with the reliance and the over-reliance on screens uh, in, in a child's life. And do you feel that you're winning the battle then? Uh, I hope so. I, I think, you know, we have some bad habits because of COVID. Um, you know, we were given iPhones and iPads to kids uh, during COVID because schools were shut down. It was their new remote learning. Mm -hmm. And now schools are back in session. And, you know, we can go outside and, and throw a, a baseball anytime we want. We can give our kids a Tony box. We can do coloring. Like the fact is that we have some bad habits and our, uh, our media habits are 20% above pre-COVID levels. And, and it's the same with the adults, isn't it? Who kind of mirror that obsession with their electronic devices as well isn't it it's a problem with 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 us isn't there really yeah i, I can stump around for you know screen-free alternatives all day long but kids are going to watch what their parents do uh mm. i think there's a time and a place for screens uh i use screens all day long i use uh you know my smartphone uh i'm trying to become more and more deliberate with how i use it and uh how i use it when my children are watching if I came back to you and talked to you in 10 years time, what what would our conversation be about? What would the questions be about, do you think? I think we've made a lot of advances in technology uh, in the last you know three years uh, since COVID. A lot of, has come from that, uh, including remote work, uh, the acceleration of artificial intelligent, intelligence. The world is becoming more digital and we're starting to see the, the pros and cons of that. I think one of the cons is uh, it's increasingly hard to be a human and to be in real settings and to talk to real real people. I think that the digital world will continue to grow and accelerate, but I think there will also be an increasing growing understanding of what it means to have real physical experiences. And for that reason, I think uh, the Tony Box will continue to spread. I can see one of these in every classroom, in every you know library, every child's nursery. Uh, I think stories are timeless and tactile play is timeless. And for those reasons, I see this as being, you know, the next Lego or the next, you know, Mattel um, uh, because uh, of the trajectory and because of the need in a growing child's life. Um, now, you've obviously had a, an incredibly um, successful career to date. Um, what are the three most important lessons that you think you've learned so far? That's a great question. We could probably spend a, a lot of time talking about. I, I it boils down to three things for me. Uh, the first is just 
Um, I have this saying uh, that I say every day you have to wake up twice. Uh, you wake up in the morning and you put on your clothes and you go, to, you drive to the office and you, you go to work. And that's my job. That's what I get paid for. Like that's to me, um, just kind of like living this, the second kind of awakening or the second time you have to wake up is to ask yourself, what's my calling? Like, what am I doing to try to make the world better? What am I doing? Not because I get paid to, but because I care. Um, and so every day I try to remember that I have to wake up twice. Uh, the second one is about caring because caring is a choice. Um, you know, you can see something and say, hey, that's broken or, hey, there's a need there. Um, but if you don't care about it, you're not going to be uh, moved to action. So I am trying to flex my caring muscle and, and to see inequity, injustice and opportunity and to care about it so that I move to action. And, and the third uh, thing that I, I say is that we can build skyscrapers like skyscrapers used to not exist. We used to like build all of our buildings, you know, one story at a time. And then some guy in the 19th century was like, I'm going to put a bridge. Uh, and instead of being horizontal, I'm going to make it vertical. And that's like how the skyscrapers came to be. And I take that to be a representation or um, maybe like a metaphor that like we can build stuff. If stuff is broken, we can build it. If something is a possibility, like we can make it happen. The, the process is there's so much bureaucracy and there's so much uh, infighting and confusion that we're not putting our minds to our problems and, and making them happen. So um, I try to take that knowledge and that second awakening uh, down through caring. And then I try to do something about it and, and try to build a skyscraper. Those are my three lessons. And, and do you look forward with great optimism to the future? I do, because um, I think you could, I think it comes back down to choice. Like you could either believe that like there's no meaning to anything and you're just here until, you, you know, you eat and you uh, you try to have some meaningful relationships and then you die and then you like you wither away into dust. And you can make that choice to say that the, the universe doesn't mean anything or you can you can care and you can say I'm going to make it count and I'm going to believe in humanity and I'm going to believe in advancement and I'm going to believe in trying to make the world a better place and that's where I, I would rather spend my time and um, caring. You mentioned the word time there, and and we've come to the almost to the end of our our conversation. Um, so finally, if there were twenty five hours in a day. What would you do with that extra hour? I have it all on my on my board. I I am dialed in to what needs to happen. It's just about doing the next thing on the list because when you have a vision and when you have a path for the vision, then it just becomes a game of what do I do next? And I try to be structured about that. I try to keep a list. And so my 25th hour, if I'm not taking a break because I need to do more of that, you know, maybe, maybe I sleep for an hour. But if I'm working, I'm doing the next thing on my list. Drew, do you know, it's been absolutely fascinating um, having this conversation, talking to you. And I think what, what's come out of it is just the positivity. And, you know, and I think that that just has shone through um, our conversation. So I'd just like to say thank you ever, ever so much um, for sharing um, all that positivity, all that optimism um, with our listeners today. It's my pleasure. I love meeting people who are in similar spaces, who have, have passion and drive. And I, I appreciate the uh, opportunity to come and share my thoughts. Thank you. 
You've been listening to the Independent Teacher Podcast. If you like listening to this podcast, please consider giving us a five-star rating either on Spotify or Apple Podcasts.